Well, we salute all of you fathers today, and I'm going I'm to be talking today directly to uh, not only fathers, but those who uh, will be a father one day, or if you're a grandfather, or even if you don't have any children of your own, if you're a man, you have influence. You have influence on the children around you in your life. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about that. I want to begin by uh, sharing something with you. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, it is uh, things that you'll never hear a dad say, right? And if you're dads, you know this. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we're going to have to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> we're not very good at that. You know, Pumpkin, now that you're 13, you're all ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? <laughs> no, nope, you're never going to hear us say that. Um, here's a credit card and the keys to the new car. Go crazy. We're good. You're definitely, definitely not going to hear that one. You know, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. <laughs> Don't think so. And then finally, why would you want to go and get a job? I make plenty of money for you to spend. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think so. I don't think so. I like a, a quote from uh, Ray Romano. He said, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up going on. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, uh, I, the, the first thing that I want to say this morning uh, to all of you who, who are dads or grandfathers um, is that this is a, a no guilt, no shame zone. And I say that because as, as a dad and, and a grandfather now, uh, it, no matter how well we think we've done it, we, we carry a certain level of, of guilt and shame, always believing, always thinking we just didn't do it well enough. I, I certainly feel that way. I, I know that I, I failed in, in some areas of my life. And so as, as I speak to you, all of you dads and men today, I, I want you to know, no guilt, okay? No, no shame, because this is hard. This is like the hardest thing that I have really ever, ever done in, in my life is uh, stepping up and, and being a dad. For about 18 years before I became a lead pastor, I was in youth ministry, and so I, got to, I had a view of parents raising their kids, especially in the teenage years, and I watched that year after year, and here's what I observed, um, and this is just, it really helped me to have perspective, and that is that I saw great parents, parents that my wife and I knew personally, we did life with them, who raised their kids up, and in many cases, kids did not turn out well, let's just put it that way. Great parents, invested, did everything right, kids didn't turn out well. On the other hand, we saw some parents and it was obvious to everybody, they were just, I'll just put it out there, they were not being good parents. And their kids turned out great. Now, here, here's what I want to say about that. I believe that when we have kids and they turn out great, we take way too much credit. And I believe that when we have kids and they turn out, well, maybe all wrong, we take way too much blame. Okay? So I just, just want to put that out there because that's what I've seen in all, my, all of my years. Um... One of the toughest assignments that I ever had as a parent uh, with, with my, and so I have, I have four, four kids, raised two girls, two, two boys, was having the old sex talk with my boys. Now this is, I think, every father fears this day. And, and I remember with, with my oldest son, this is the first time I tried this, and so here's what you need to know, my dad did not have that talk with me, he chickened out. My dad, I'm going to talk about him a little bit, he was a great dad, but he just chickened out on that one. And, and so as a result, my mom told me. Like, so when you're a 12-year-old boy, you do not want to hear that from your mom. Like, oh, it was just awful. And so, 
So I just thought, all right, you know, I'm going to try to make this as best experience I can. So I, I took my, my oldest son, Stevie, out, and I got a hamburger, and, and I'm kind of winding up. Man, I've read, by this time I've read books, you know. I, I, I've just got all the information I could. I think I'm totally prepared. And so we, I slowly began to sort of wind up, you know, kind of move into that, that talk. And uh, he is not receiving it well. I mean, it is just all over his face. He looks like he's traumatized, <laughs> seriously. And, uh, I'm, I'm, and it's just getting worse and worse, and I'm just, I feel like we're just, you know, going deeper and sinking in this hole. And then finally, I just ended the I said, <clears throat> okay, well, uh, I guess we can go. And got in the car, and uh, we're driving home, and I just awkward silence. And I'm like, oh, man. I, so finally I said, <clears throat> well, um, do you have any questions about our conversation? <laughs> and before I even get finished, he goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, okay. That was the first time. So the second time, my son Caleb, right? So I, I, somehow it just didn't work very well the first time out. So now it's son number two. And uh, I take him out for a hamburger. I guess that's just kind of the way I want to do it. And we're talking. And... <laughs> I'm kind of doing the same thing, but I think I'm doing it a lot better. You know, I'm just, I'm just you know, keeping it really upbeat and everything. And, and I began to move towards that conversation, and, and my son Caleb goes, whoa, whoa, hang on, whoa, whoa. I said, what? He goes, is this a sex talk? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he goes, not ready. <laughs> not ready. <laughs> well, what do you say? You know, I, I, when they say that, what can you say? So I said, um, all right, uh, when, when do you think you'll be ready? <laughs> and he said, I don't know, Dad. Just, like, let's give it a couple of months or something. All right, okay. So two months go by, and take him back out to a restaurant, and we're sitting there. And then I said, well, um, so two months have gone by, and do you, you think we're ready for the sex talk? And he goes, too late, I already know. <laughs> I go, what? what are you talking about? He goes, I already know. You don't have to tell me anything. And so you know, there would be further conversations. But anyway... <laughs> That, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was tough. Um, that's, that's part of being a dad. That's part of doing those things. I mean, it takes courage. You've got to be brave to do that kind of stuff. So what I want to talk about today is how, to, how do you build a life of significance as a dad or a grandfather or simply a man who wants to influence the, uh, uh, the younger guys in, in your life. And so we're going to go to uh, one of the wisdom books, uh, the book of Psalms. There's several wisdom books Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and some other ones. Uh, and in these books of wisdom, you have, sometimes you have poetry. Uh, sometimes you have the wise sages that were godly men of old. And they would bring you know, generational wisdom, uh, and then, and then they, would, they would pass it on. So this is actually the first chapter. Uh, it, it could be that you know, King David wrote a lot of the Psalms. We're not really positive if he wrote this one or not. But we're just going to read the first three verses. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, whatever they do prosperous. So how to have a life of significance. And it, and it really, it begins with joy. And you would think that, I mean, you know, when I say that, enjoy every day, you know, for some of you, it's like, really, Steve, really? I mean, you can't do better than that. I mean, it, it doesn't everybody want to be happy. But, but let me sort of flesh this out a little bit, okay? Because to a large degree, enjoying, especially your children, 
it, it really is something you have to be intentional about. It, it's something that you have to, to uh, when you get up in the morning every single day, and there'll be a lot of bad days, there'll be a lot of days where things didn't go the way you wanted them to go, you, you have to make a choice. Am I just going to let the day get away from me and just be grouchy and, and not have joy? And so in the Bible, there's a difference between joy and happiness. There really is. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is, man, things are really going my way today, and, or maybe um, we're at Disneyland, everything's great, or you know, I'm having a good hair day, I feel good. That's, that's happiness. It's always circumstantial. Joy is something else. Joy is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about this joy, and it goes deep. It goes way deeper than happiness. Joy comes deep down into your soul, right into the core of who you are, so that no matter what is going on, maybe things are not working out your way, maybe the car broke down, or, or maybe the finances are down, or, or one of the kids has got really bad grades and not doing well in school. Joy is this, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. You know, God's in control. Life isn't perfect. It's not, but everything's going to be okay. And you can sleep at night well, and that's joy. It's not all giddy and everything. It's not like, ah, you know, but, but joy is just that deep abiding peace. That, that God gives to us. So enjoy every day. I, uh, I read a book a while back that really helped me with it. It's called Own the Moment. And it's one of the best books that I, I've read by a guy named Carl Lentz. He's a, he's a pastor in New York City over there. And, and he talked about that, about just with your children and with your wife, just owning the moment. In other words, just stepping up and saying, you know, I take responsibility for my level of joy and, and for what's going on in this home. You know? And if this is a, a gloomy home, then now I have to step up and say, that's because of me. So it, going back to, to verses 1, 2, and 3, notice here's, here's the themes that come out of them. The first one is that if you walk with God, if you're a man of God, that you'll be blessed. And when I say blessed, I'm not talking about the like, you know, sports athletes going, well, I'm blessed, we just won the Super Bowl, that kind of blessed. I'm talking about blessed because I have a relationship with God, and that blessing flows into my family. That, that blessing flows into my marriage. And, there's, and again, it goes back to that, I'm good with God, and because I'm good with God, I'm good with my wife, I'm good with my kids. It may not be perfect, but I'm good with the world, so, so I'm a blessed man. And I know that my, my entire life, my, my whole future is secure in God's hands. And then because of that, uh, in, in verse 2, it says, I, that I delight in God. In other words, um, it, it kind of like Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he talked about the kingdom of God, and he said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the first thing. Be, be a seeker of God. Delight yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, like seeking his ways, walking in his ways. He says, and all of these other things will be added unto you. So you delight yourself in the Lord. And then finally, because of that, you're going to prosper. You just will prosper. It may not be financial prosperity, although it might be, because God just loves to bless his people, but he's going to prosper you in your relationships. He's going to prosper you as you raise your, your children up. He's going he's gonna to prosper and, and, and bless your home. Proverbs, another, this is another one of the wisdom books. Uh, Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. How many of you know that? You ever had one of those times in your life and things are just not going well and it just seems gloomy, okay? And, and so that goes back to like, well, who's going to bring the joy? Who's, who's going to, you know, lighten things up a little bit in the home? And it comes to us. In fact, I love this statement, until further notice, celebrate everything. And sometimes you just got to do that. I, I, I think back to, oh, many, many years ago, and my wife and my two children, we, didn't, we only had two at that particular time, were in the back seat, 
and we were headed to Northern California to see my family. And we got up, uh, we were going up the grapevine, and we got to just this little town called Meddler, and the car broke down, which happened to us a lot back in those days, because we didn't have a whole lot of money, and our cars were kind of cheap. And so the car breaks down, and this is a hot summer day, really hot. And, and so we get out of the car, and it's, and it's one of those moments where typically I would just kind of lose it. Just, just blow my top, be angry, and then, and then you know, the, my wife would have to live with that. And, then that and, and I just, I made a choice that really began to change the way that I was with my family. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to let that happen this time. It was a bad situation. And so I decided instead of getting all angry and just letting the day get away from me, I, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm gonna, we're going to turn this into an adventure. So we got out of the car, and this, by the way, this is before cell phones, so we had to walk. We had, you know, we're walking along, and of course the kids are kind of whining and stuff like that, but okay, no, no, we're going to go on a hike, man. So we do a hike till we get to a phone call, you know, make a phone call, we're going to have the car towed. That was the second blow. It was going to cost us quite a bit of money to get the car fixed, so they bring it into this little town called... I think it's called Meddler, and, and uh, we get in the town, and it's just like a no, just the kind of town that you would definitely want to, not want to spend very, any time in. Nothing to see, nothing to do. But we're there, and I'm thinking, well, what's the next part of our adventure? So we start walking around town, and we find a really cool Mexican restaurant, and it's got good air conditioning. So, you know, the kids are happy now, and the food was pretty, pretty good. So we're, we're, you know, we're having Mexican food, and, and uh, then we get back, and uh, the car is fixed. We get back in the car, and by the time we were done... I was in a good mood. And uh, my kids were probably in the back seat going, wow, what happened to dad? You know, because, you know, usually he just loses it on these kind of occasions. But I, I just chose to, you know, until further notice, celebrate. I looked for the silver lining. Because here, here's the thing, and I'm just, just being brutally honest with you right now. There were, I had way too many bad days in some of the earlier days of my marriage uh, with kids. Way too many bad days. And there just came a point where I thought, I'm just tired of being sad. I'm, I'm tired of being mad. I, I just, you know, we, we got to change something around here. And that was, that, was, that was a real defining point for me. Say, okay, whatever's going on in your life, and, and there will be plenty of adverse circumstances and bad days in our life, but we, we get to choose how we're going to respond to that. I love what Bill Hornsby says. He says, take God seriously, faith graciously, and life hilariously. And sometimes that can make all the difference in the world. And then we, we have to model what matters. So start with joy. And then we have, there's this lot of modeling that go, goes on, especially for, for a dad. If you're a coach or a dad or a, a teacher or a pastor or whatever, you know that modeling is everything. And, and here's the thing, uh, dads and guys. You're modeling, whether you want to model or not, you're, you are modeling. Man, the kids are watching. They're watching everything that we do, everything we say, how we drive, you know, how we interact with people, how we are, are in, in the midst of adversity and they're, they're watching. And so we have to model for them. So you know who modeled for me? And I think he did a really good job. was my dad. My dad grew up poor. He grew up under some extremely adverse circumstances. But I, my dad loved, for one thing, my dad loved being a dad, and it was obvious. He just loved being a dad. He was a super family guy. And like every, every Sunday afternoon, we'd go to church in the morning so he set an example for us there. But, but every, every, every Sunday afternoon, he would take us to a new restaurant because he just loved to go out and take his family to a restaurant. And I, as a kid, that was like one of the highlights of, of my week. My, my dad had some, some heavy lifting to do in terms of like bringing the family, um, the joy factor into the home. 
my mom was bipolar. And if, if you've ever, and maybe you know people, or maybe you experienced, had that disease, um, back in the day, they didn't even call it that, and they didn't have anything for it. And so my mom had a lot of bad days. I mean, when she was up, as, as bipolar people are, she was sky high. But when she was down, and she was down more than she was up, it was difficult. And my dad carried the weight of trying to bring the joy factor into the home despite, you know, what was going on with mom. That's, that's the kind of a dad that he was. And, he, and I didn't realize that. See, all these years later, more and more, it's like, that's what dad was doing. He'd always walk in from work whistling and uh, immediately just, just kind of brought a, a sort of a, a joy and a, and a brightness into the home. Uh, every night before he went to bed, his door would be slightly open, and I'd walk by, and I would see him on his knees, and he'd be praying. He set an example for me. When we were in church, in fact, when I first started working, one of the first jobs I had was working for my dad as a businessman. He, he talked about tithing. He said, Steve, first 10% goes straight to God. And that was, after that, it was like, it was on. I, oh, okay, that's what you do. And it has been a beautiful blessing in my life. Every time that we had a missionary in the church, I'd look over at my dad with tears in his eyes, and he'd be writing a check. Just, just love to support, you know, whatever was going on with, with God's work. Um, he was... Uh, a jokester. I like that about him. Uh, I could not repeat one of his jokes to you right now. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he kind of kept, kept things exciting that way. He, he really drilled a work ethic into my sisters, and I have two sisters. And he talked about, one of his favorite things to talk about was work, because he loved work. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, he, he grew up poor, so when you work, you know, you, you, you have food on the table. And, and so he would talk about that a lot, and it really, really got inside of us in, in all the best ways. So he was a good role model, but he wasn't a perfect role model. So let me tell you about one of the downsides of my dad. He's probably listening in right now, so, and he knows. I've talked to him about even before he passed. Um, my dad was a super, super sore loser. I mean, horrible. And, and he used to tell me, Steve, a good loser is still a loser. <laughs> That's what he would say. And he believed it, man. And I'm telling you, that got inside of me. And so I had, when I was a younger guy, I had this hyper-competitiveness. And, and I just hated losing. And, and, and so guess what? You know, what did, I, what did I model? I modeled what was modeled in front of me. And so I, with my boys and, and my daughters, and, you know, it's like, I, I feel sorry for I know they must have been traumatized a few times in the earlier years um, as I tried to hide my disappointment because they didn't win or, or whatever. And then especially, we used to go watch Charger games when the San Diego Chargers were here. And, and so a lot of times, I'd, if the Chargers were losing, it was really bad. I was very verbal. I was very emotional. And I remember one time, this is when it really dawned on me how bad I was. One time, as the Chargers were losing, which they did quite a bit, um, I look at my two sons, and they're slipping out of the room, and I hear this little conversation. We go, we got to get out of here before Dad goes crazy. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I, it dawned on me in that moment. It was kind of one of those wake-up moments, like, I like, I'm a monster. I'm doing this to my, my dad did, you know, that to me, and, and my dad was the same way. He would just lose it, you know, walk out of the room and go take a walk or something. I'm like, I, I, I can't do this to my kids. So there, there was that side. Modeling, modeling is, is super, super important. One of the things that, that we model is, is in the way of, of actually the people that we invite into our life. In verse 1, it says, he does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. One of the things that my wife and I realized is that not only were we modeling, 
But the other influencers in our life, they were modeling too. When I say I'm talking about our friends, I'm talking about the people we did life with, the people that we hung out with. And this is something as a dad we have to think about because you're not the only one influencing. You're not just mom either. All those people. So in our home, and we've had, boy, we are social people. So we've had a lot of people through the years in our home that have not just had stayed for dinner, but sometimes stayed for a few days if we needed to help them out or something. But along the way, there's been some really, really good influencers of, that have helped our kids. And I've, to some degree, I feel like not only did we raise them, but all those, all those great friends of ours, all those other people that were not perfect people, but many of them Christ-centered people, were there to, to help raise our kids as well. And that, that's really important to, to raising a kid. There's the, the Christ-like character. Uh, in verse 2, he says, "...who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night." Like, dads, our kids need to see us, that spiritual side to us, see us being godly. My, uh, my son Stevie came up to me one day when he was probably about, I don't know, five or six years old, and I was doing what I did almost every morning. I had the Bible open, and he said something like, Dad, why do you keep on reading that book? You've already read it. And I thought that was a great teaching moment. I said, let's talk about that. And so it was my opportunity to talk to him about how this book was different than every other book and how this book really affected my life. And, and there'll be that, that you have to model something like. They, my, my kids many times have seen me walk out the door, and they go, where are you going, Dad? Usually it's on a Saturday, and I'm just going to do a prayer walk, you know. I just, just, just me and God need to do some talking. But, but those, those kind of influences that will make an impression, it may not seem like it at the time, especially when they're 15, you know, and they're kind of rolling their eyes, but it does. You're making an impression. In fact, Dad, here's what you need to know. You have way more influence than you think you do. Way more. And I discovered this uh, when my boys were teenagers and, you know, kind of in the rolling their eyes stage and like, you know, the friends are more important than dad and mom are anymore. But every once in a while, uh, I'd be in a place and I'd have some words repeated back to me that were my own words. And what it was is my sons talking to their friends that somehow got back to me of things that I had said, things that I had tried to teach them. And I'm like, oh, wow, they actually still listen. That's a cool moment, right? Yeah, so just, just, just know you have way more influence than, than you think you do. Andy Stanley, um, a guy who pastors a huge church on, in Atlanta, said this. He said, the most important thing you accomplish for God's kingdom may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Think about that. We all want to make our mark in this world, I think. But what if you raise somebody, and that was the greatest accomplishment? That person did something significant in this world. And that's, that's how important it is to invest in, in, our, in our kids. And then finally... We have to practice presence, practice presence. That's owning the moment. That's saying, you know, I'm going to be here, not just in body, because I'm your dad, and so I sort of have to be here, but I mean really be present in, in the moment. And that, I'm going to say, dad, and you know this, sometimes that's really difficult for us, that's, you know, to be in, in that moment. And so I think it really begins with, uh, I think it begins with our wives, uh, one of the things that, that my dad did every morning was before he left, he would go over and he would just take my mom, plant a big old kiss on her, and walk out the door. And that made an impression on, my, made an impression on me and my sisters. Like, wow, that, mom and dad love each other, you know? And you, you, you kind of model something. But, but my dad, was a, he's a family man, and he was very present with my mom, but he was always very present with us as well. I, uh, many years ago, did something that I think a lot of men do, so I'm going to call out these men. 
I would get home, and I would, I would tell my wife, just need my space. Just, just need my, give, me, give me 45 minutes an hour. Just need my space. Long day, had a bunch of conversations. Just give me my space. Well, you know, what I wasn't considering is, well, hey, my wife, by the way, she's been in the workforce most of her life, so she's got kids and been in the workforce, and here comes hubby home, and, and he's going, just give me my space, long day. So at some point, so I think some, somebody spoke into my life or just something got a hold of me, and I thought, wait a second, that, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. So many, many years ago, I decided that the first thing that I'm going to do when I walk in is I'm going to sit down at the kitchen table, usually because my, my wife is, is doing something related to the kitchen, and just start talking to her. Just start talking to her. If you know my wife, she is a woman of many words. <laughs> so actually, I didn't have to do too much talking at all. And I would just listen to her. And at first, it was, I got, it was a little difficult because sometimes my wife would catch me and she'd say, you're not listening to me. So, you know, those many words are coming at me and I'm like, okay, I have to really in- engage here, right? Uh, but I've learned to do it and it, it has just been such a gift, uh, not only to my wife, but it's been a gift to me because then I can see her just sort of light up and it's like, oh, you know, he loves me. He's willing to, to spend this time with me. You've got to practice presence. In, in verse 3, it says, that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. In the Bible, most normally, the word fruit is a metaphor for good things coming out of your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, um, self-control. Those are, those are like beautiful things that God is trying to make, have our life produce. And so if, if you and I are going to uh, be present. We, we have to be present in all seasons. Notice it says this, yields its fruit in season. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so related to what we're talking about right now, there's a bunch of seasons in your life. Like, you, you guys are just, inter- you're going to enter your first season with your baby, okay? And some of you, you're a little bit further down the line, and you know, then they're they're seven years old, and you're like, oh, this is kind of a fun stage, and then they're at a different stage, and you're going, oh, this is not so much fun. But as a dad, it's like you can't eject. And here's what we're tempted to do, dads. We're tempted on the difficult seasons to go, I just want to get to the next season. Just get me to the next season. I know it'll be okay in the next season. I'm not enjoying this season right now. But that's where we have to work really hard and say, no, 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 no. They need me right now. I got to be present right now. Or I can't look back on a former season and go, you know, when they were five years old, it was the best time of my life. But now, now, now they're 13. I'm not really liking it too much. No. You've got to be present with them in every season that they're in. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's going to be work. Sometimes you've got to really, really focus to do that. But the blessing in that will come back to you. Your kid's going to know. They're going to know if you're in it or not. Are we, it, my roots determine my fruit, and get, going back to the whole root metaphor. So if, if good things are going to come out of our life, especially as a dad... Where are you rooted? What I mean by that, like, where are you invested? Where is your life really invested? If somebody was to come up to your best friends and say, what is he all about? What would they say about you? Would they say, man, that guy loves his kids. Man, he's a family man. He, he, he's, he's a godly person. Or would they say something different? Because that was, that's what's going to produce the fruit in, in your life. So where is your life rooted? And then there's that whole time thing. You, you know, quality time versus quantity time. And, and uh, here's the thing. It, whether it's quality time or, or you know, quantity time, they need both. They, they just need time. You're like, well, man, it was, it was a half hour, but it was quality 
your kid doesn't measure it that way. Like a half hour, are you kidding? And then you're out the door? Like, why don't you give, you got to give me more time than that. You got to give them both quantity and quality time. Just be in there with them. And again, it's not always the easiest thing to do. I made a practice of being at every, and they were, my kids were involved in sports. Every sport activity, any, any event that they were in, if I could be there, I was there. And it was the most awesome thing to experience that. They spell, they spell it time. Love is spelled time. One of the things that, Karen and I decided a long time ago, right after we got married and we had kids, is we decided that we wanted to do great vacations. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, vacations are expensive. Okay? They are. And, and so from the time that our kids were babies all the way to this day, we have had many, many vacations. I don't mean little vacations. I mean extravagant vacations. And it's cost Karen and myself, my wife and myself, there's a lot of stuff that we don't have today that we could have in a material sense. You can ask my wife. We have sacrificed greatly, but here's, here's what we have. My kids are all adults now. We have years and years of years of priceless memories. And when we get around a table, and we do often, and we talk about life, we talk about those vacations. And that what happened in Mexico, what happened in Canada, uh, what, what happened in many of the states that we've been to, all those different, with the crazy stuff that happened. And, and you, can't, you can't purchase this. There's no price tag that you can put on that. And we decided that would be one of our greatest investments of time. Dad, if you're new to that, or if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, think about planning out some really great vacations with, with your kids. To make a difference in your world, you've got to be present in your world. Especially, you've got to be present with your kids. So, question. What is the story that your kids are going to tell you about you in 30 years? If you're, if you're a dad and you're Older than 40, time is starting to click off faster. You'll know this. Something happens to that clock. You hit 40 years old, and suddenly time starts to just jump forward. And you only have so many years to create a legacy and to be with your kids. And have you ever thought, maybe, maybe you don't think this way, and maybe you should, what are the kids going to be saying around the kitchen table when you're not there 30 years from now? I don't know. It's a good question. Is that going to be a really good conversation? Is that something you'd want to lean into and go, oh, I love what I'm hearing? Or, or, or would it be something different? And that all begins with the investment that, that we're making right now. I was recently at a uh, memorial. I wasn't performing this when I was invited to this memorial. And it was one of the most inspiring memorials I've ever been to. Um, the, the man, he was an 87-year-old man, lived in the Point Loma area all of his life. Uh, he was a, a coach out at Point Loma High School. Um, but I listened to his kids and his grandkids and his nephew stand up and talk about his life, and I, I was in tears at the end. I mean, this guy, he was generous, he loved people, he loved God, and they just went on and on and on. And by the time I got to the end, I thought, man, it, if, if my kids and my grandkids, if they say half the things about me, they said about that man, I will die a happy man. That's, that's what I'm talking about. We're making the investment now, and we have hard days, we have difficult days, but that's what it means to be a good father. We sing that song, a good, good father. So let me leave you with three takeaways, dads, okay? Here they are. When you think of something good, just say it. Don't, don't delay it. Don't, well, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe in next week I'll say it. No, no, say it now. When, and this happens to me periodically 
Usually it's when I'm driving and I'll think of something to say to my daughter Summer. She lives in Ventura. And so as soon as I get to a place where I can do it, I text her and I'll just say it. With, 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 with my son Steve, same thing. I thought, you know, he, he really did well in something and, and I'll like say it. I just made a habit of doing that. Say it now. Say it, say it now while you still can. And when you think of something special to do, just do it. Are, are you one of those people? I, I do this sometimes. It's like, you know, I ought to. And you, you create some sort of scenario in your mind. And, and we ought to go do this. And then it just doesn't happen. Just, just do it. Like, pull your calendar out or however you do life. Just figure it out real quick and go, we're going to do this. And it'll be such a blessing to you. It'll be a, such a blessing to your kids. Or to the, maybe if you're a coach, the person that you want to influence. And then when you want something to be different, be it. What do I mean by that? Well, if you want things to change in your relationship with your kids, you've got to be the initiator of it. When I was a, an adult, I was a grown man. I was 29 years old. And uh, I've said a lot of great things about my dad, but one of the things that he really struggled with was being affectionate. He didn't really know how to show affection. And so uh, my family and I, at that time, my, my daughter, my first child had just been born, and we're getting ready. We're going to leave Northern California and move to Southern California, and that's going to be that. And we know that we won't see each other very much anymore. So, you know, it, it, so you want to have a special goodbye. And so as I'm getting ready to leave, I walked up to my dad, and I said, well, Dad, wow, I, I guess this is it. You know, we're, we're going to head south, and we won't see you and Mom that much anymore, and you know, we're going to really miss you. And my dad was very stoic, and he said, mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, and... and I just I kind of went like this, and he put his hand out to shake my hand. And so after that point, my dad and I had never hugged since I was a kid and, and never even said I love you. And I thought, if anybody's going to change this, it's not going to be dad. It's going to have to be me. So at 29 years old, I took his hand, and I pulled him in, and I just gave him a big old bear hug. And I said, I love you, dad. And he wept. He just, he just started crying. His body just started heaving with tears and I said, I love you. And he didn't say anything back to me that time. But from that time forward, it, it, it changed everything. Because every time that I saw my dad after that, until he, he died a year and a half ago, we reached over and just grab each other and say, I love you. I love you. You're the one who can change whatever needs to be changed in those relationships. It's on us, Dad. So I want to pray a prayer, a blessing over you. And can I have all, all dads stand? I just want to pray over you. Dads, grandfathers, dads. Future dads, right there. You got one in the oven. Okay, I want to pray over you. So dads, I just want to, I want to say something to you. You're brave. You're courageous. It's tough being a dad. It is. And I know that there's going to be a lot of days when you feel like, I just don't have what it takes, because almost all of us men think that. I I just don't have what it takes, but you do. And and God has put that inside of you. And my prayer today is that God will help you to see the greatness that really is inside of you. That he'll help you to see that that you have much more influence than you think you do. You've you've got it. It's, It's in you. And that if you're feeling remorse and guilt, join the club. We all do. We're all part of that. But my prayer is that we'll rise above that. So let's pray. Father, I pray for these men, dads and grandfathers, influencers, dads soon to be. 
And Lord, I, I pray your blessing on their lives this Father's Day. And God, we realize that you are the ultimate Father and that you sent your Son into this world as the ultimate gift to us to show us how to live. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that whatever stage we are in life, whether we're young or older, grandfathers, Lord, that we'll just continue to be present. We'll, we'll enjoy, enjoy life, God. That, that we'll show what it means to be a, a godly man. We'll inspire our children and, and our grandchildren. So on this day, bless these men, we pray, in a very special way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.